That was Troyazilia and a number from their album released in 2020, and Dorfine, and that was a Janček. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in this hour from the Nash Holos Audio Archives, a Ukrainian folktale narrated by Linda Mikolayenko, an interview with a Ukrainian illustrator from Kremenchuk, Ukraine, who is now living in Toronto, and her series of Ukrainian folktales for children. As well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is Kozak System with a very recent release, uh, just back in May of this year. And it is a song called Azovstal. It is about the 
Defenders of Ukraine, uh, the Azov Battalion, before they were slaughtered by Putin's genocidal maniacs last week. This song is an incredible tribute to those wonderful defenders, those great heroes of Ukraine. 83 days of the defense of Mediupol changed the course of the full-scale war of the Russian Federation against Ukraine. The defenders of the Mariupol plant, as of Stahl, broke the enemy's plans to capture eastern Ukraine and drew huge enemy forces. Here's Kozak's system now with Azovstal. Марія свята, ти їх збережи Мене не жаліє вже на межі Ти бачила все, тут Бога нема Тут тільки вогонь і свіжа зола Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов Не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов Не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. У темряві бачу я очі твої. Повір, тут ми всі нестерпно живі. Повір, що я чую молитву твою. За тебе, за неньку, за вас тут стою. Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов. Не плач, моя люба. Воскреснемо знов Моє серце сталь Моя кров азов Не плач, моя люба Воскреснемо знов Моє серце сталь Моя кров азов, не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов, не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов, не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов, не плач, моя люба. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit shochenkofoundation.com. 
Ukraine is under deadly attack, and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a tax-deductible donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water and medications, and when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com, or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. of American professors is running an online platform providing free tutoring help to Ukrainian pupils and students in any subject from maths, informatics and sciences to history, language and music. Hundreds of pupils and students from elementary school through the university level are already learning in Ukrainian, Russian or English. You can see details and sign up to tutor or to learn at tutoringwithoutborders.org. Oliet Kachenko is a Ukrainian-Canadian illustrator based in Toronto. She worked on a number of children's books in the U.S. and Canada. These include a series of popular Ukrainian folk tales in English and Ukrainian that were created and published in Canada with the support of the Shevchenko Foundation. Part of the proceeds of the sale of these books will go to help children whose lives are being devastated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Olya joins us now from her home in Toronto to tell us a bit about herself, her work, and this wonderful project. So welcome to Nasholos, Olya. Hi. So first of all, uh, before we talk about the books, can you tell us um, just a little bit about yourself, um, how you came to be an illustrator living in Toronto? First of all, thank you for the opportunity to speak a little bit about myself and my creative project. Originally, I am from Poltava's area. It wasn't famous town until a couple of weeks ago. I'm from artistic family. My father, Alek Lipchenka, he is an artist and illustrator. He is in Canada as well. Oh. So um, I'm drawing and working with visual arts all my life. So I've studied visual arts in art school in my town and graphic design and interior design and decoration there. And um, I have three kids. And it's oh. not easy to find a job, especially in Ukraine, when you have three kids. And uh, so it was kind of challenging to survive. And my father, he gave me this idea, you can try working with illustrations as a freelancer. And that did really work, this job. As a freelancer, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really been the way to go since the internet. You can actually make a living being a freelancer and promoting your work yeah. on the internet, which is how I found you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you come from a family then of, of artists. You, you said your dad is an illustrator as well? Yes. My father, Oleg Lipchenko, he's an illustrator. He's an uh, award winner uh, here in, in Canada. He illustrated um, Alice in Wonderland. Oh. Yeah, and won an award in 2008. So he was my first mentor and teacher, and mm-hmm. I had other teachers as well. As you know, we have really rich school and tradition in visual arts back in Ukraine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ukraine is lots of art, fine arts schools, and a lot of great artists yeah. have been turned out. Yeah, yeah. What a shame what's ugh, the devastation's going on now. It's hard to imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These days, of course, it's something hard to imagine that it's what happened with 
our homeland and many people struggle inside and many people struggle moving outside, like mm-hmm. trying to find their place. And many artists, they move yeah. away as well. So trying to find shelter for continuing their job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This part of many artists fight, they do that on their artistic field, field as well. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, people might think that art is, is frivolous, but not at all, because it's a, it's a real morale booster, um, even just to look at something beautiful. Yeah, you know, visual art is not only about beauty, it's also really powerful language, right? So mm-hmm. something that we cannot say verbally, but we can say much loudly <laughs> visually, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think our artists and designers do great job now like promoting Ukraine and delivering message about Ukraine and this war around the globe. Yeah. So I, I think it's very powerful. Well it it is, I think, especially when you have art of such a high caliber that all of a sudden people who never heard of Ukraine see the kind of work, the quality of work that comes out of a country like Ukraine and that the rest of the world is simply not even aware of. Now, you said you're from Kremenchuk originally. That has been really devastated, hasn't it? That's one of the towns. Yes. Yes, we had those terroristic acts there, that attack in the middle of our city a couple weeks ago. That was a shock for us. Many people died. It was right in the middle of the day, and people who did it, they knew what they do. Oh, this was the shopping mall. That was the city. That was the shopping mall. It was the exact hour when this mall was full of people. So those killers, they knew what they do. Unfortunately, that's what we have a deal with, not just army, not just uh, people who are confused by Putin, but we have a deal with murders. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that's the reality. Yeah. You came to Canada with your family in 2014? Yes. uh, My husband came here two years before, and my parents moved in 1999. But I and my three kids, we were able to move only in 2014, right after Maidan Revolution and a couple weeks before the war in eastern Ukraine started. Yeah, it was a stressful time as well, but not so much as now. I I was scared that time that the full invasion could start any moment that time. And first we moved to Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. and I was so much happily impressed how blessed people can be, Mm -hmm. like living so peacefully. I honestly, I couldn't imagine, imagine that life can be so peaceful and good like in Saskatchewan, uh, we, I could yeah, even, even see that in movies only. <laughs> you, you know, and it's, it's funny, I'm, um, I grew up uh, there, my grandparents homesteaded in Saskatchewan, and um, we just thought it was so boring. But, yeah, it but, is. It's but, another but, side of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but when you think about, you know, uh, that's a really ungrateful, <laughs> ungrateful attitude when you think about war in other parts of the world, and here we are, just we're bored because it's so peaceful. So so, yeah, so that's that really struck you, did it? That was my first impression, of course. So after all the stresses in Ukraine, I was impressed that I can. I woke up every morning like listening birds and this quiet air. Mm-hmm. So that was my biggest impression about that. And uh, that people are, they, they don't 
yeah, the life is very slow, but I mean, the people, they don't have stresses at all. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting experience. After two years, we moved uh, to Toronto, but I still have very warm feelings about Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different after Europe, of course, it's different. Yeah, it's kind of boring, but I think <laughs> it's just another side of having normal, quiet life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a small downside, isn't it? So yeah. when, when you were in uh, Saskatchewan, you were in, near Saskatoon? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you, tell us about your work there. You did some very interesting work and you did those beautiful cards. I, I've seen them, um, of the, the lovely cards, uh, Christmas cards. Tell us about that. And recipe cards, actually. Uh, I yeah, didn't realize yeah, that was did. you that did them. I was just, I was so impressed with them. I thought, these are lovely. Who did these? So now I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, the director of the Ukrainian Museum of Canada, Janet Trebushevsky Daniluk, she gave me a good chance to start working in the museum. She is a real art lover and she supported me very much. She hired me to be a museum developer, so I worked on a few projects for the museum. And this one, the recipe cards, as a Christmas gift, it was one of the projects I made for the museum. So we made this gift of 12 cards with mm-hmm. traditional recipes mm-hmm. for traditional Christmas dinner yeah. in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We also did other projects there, like um, I had my own art show and we had a promo campaign with, you know, this museum has a rich collection of ethnic textile. So they have a lot of clothes and embroideries and real treasures. So it was really interesting to work with those treasures to create advertisements for them to make this promo campaign. So yeah, it was an interesting time to work for them. Mm -hmm. And what years did you work for them? Uh, I worked not not alone, a little bit more than a year, 2015 to 2016. Mm -hmm. And then some of our circumstances changed and we had to move to Toronto. Mm -hmm. So you're an illustrator. You don't write books, but you illustrate books. Uh, you know, for this series of Ukrainian folk tales, mm-hmm. I had to write the text. Oh, you well. did? You t- yes, because, you know, I had to retold, to retold them uh, because they're folk tales. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to use someone's interpretation of those stories. I wanted to use my own. And and actually, this the idea of those books. It came when I was working in the museum. One of my colleagues, Sylvia Baran, she has two grandchildren, mm-hmm. and we we had a talk with her about the books, and she said, you know, that is a shame that we do have some Ukrainian books here with in translation, but translation is something not very useful for those kids who grew up in Canada because it's different kind of English. We never speak like that. So mm. kids were a little bit confused. And I said, you know what? Maybe it would be good to make books for them, like using local editors trying to make the language exactly like Canadian parents would tell the stories to kids. Okay. And that's how I started working with this series. So I, I decided to make something that Ukrainian kids could read here. And in Saskatchewan, that is one more interesting thing. The Ukrainian community keeps very strong uh, traditions in 
dance and performing arts, mm-hmm. but in reading and in storytelling, they don't have much, and they don't have real like books or stories or folk tales from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the older diaspora than in Toronto, so they learn Ukrainian in school, but they mostly don't speak Ukrainian. Yeah, that's that's, that's me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, never heard. Yeah. yeah, I never really heard any folk tales growing up either. Baba just never yeah. talked about them. Of course, Baba, you know, Baba died when I was quite young, but none of my other friends, um, you know, we just, we didn't hear them in school. Just nobody talked about folktales. Well, we heard Brothers Grimm and all the ones in school, the English ones, but not, not ours, not Ukrainian ones. Yeah, and that is the big part of our national heritage, right? Right. So I decided that could be a good thing to do. I mean, like, to deliver to modern Ukrainian, Canadian, and maybe uh, American kids mm. those old stories so they, they know them. So I started working with them in 2016. And so the first book I published in 2017 by myself, it was Color Box. It was, I, I would say, it's probably the most well-known story in Ukraine. It's a little, little round bun that run away from home. A little round it's what? Sorry, a little... Bun, bun. Like a, like a yeast, like a bread piece bun. Piece of dough. Okay. Bread <laughs> bun, right. <laughs> bread okay. bun, right. It's similar to gingerbread, sorry. Okay, so yeah. He was, he was, he or she, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was baked at home by old Baba for her husband. And uh, it just escaped from home. He uh, just ran out from the window and ran out to forest. And on the, on the road, um, the band met different animals who want to eat him. <laughs> but he's so smart. Instead of being eaten, he started to sing songs to them. <laughs> and these stupid animals, they listen, they song, and uh, so they lose the focus, and he escapes. <laughs> Until he meets the fox, of course. And fox, of course, is Foxy, smartest yeah. <laughs> of all. And he says, you know what? You have such a good song, but I have bad ears. I'm not hear you well. Can you sit on my nose and sing one Uh-oh. more time? And this stupid bun said, okay, I hear he was so proud of himself. He said, I'm sure not, such a thing. And oops, the fox ate him. <laughs> so it's just, like no happy end, but okay, that's a bun. Mm-hmm. What, what, what happy end can be for a bread bun, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a funny story because you can read in different voices, sing this song. Sure. So it's something that kids love, and it's not something that, it's not a human or even animal, it's a bun, so kids usually don't feel very sorry about it. So um, it's a good story. Mm, I had fun making this story, drawing that, and I had a a great Canadian editor, Tim Fagan, who helped me with editing this text, so uh, I was okay. sure that tax must be perfectly good for Canadian kids. So, and after that, there were other books. So, um, and I applied for um, grant support from Canadian Ukrainian Art Foundation mm-hmm. of Taras Shevchenko, mm-hmm. and they supported three of, of my last books. They were they supported for creating and publishing. Mm-hmm. So, at the moment, I have five of them in the series. Color book. 
That's what I told about uh, the year of weed, so, the meeting. Okay. The story probably known for many Canadians from even from 60s. Right. Uh, the turnip. And for this story, I didn't use my own text. I used a text from Ivan Franco. That's rhythmic. And the last story is Sirko. And Sirko is a funny story about a dog. And for modern Ukrainians, it's it's familiar by one of the great animation movies that represented Ukrainian culture in Soviet times about an old dog who was thrown away from his home because he was old and useless. And he was really upset because he, he could die. But he met his old friend, a wolf in the forest, and they made how they, they've got an idea how they can fix it. So at the end, the master got back the dog and the dog helped the wolf. I don't want to spoil the story, okay, don't <laughs> but it's, it's very funny. So everybody very happy <laughs> at the end. Oh, so, so this story of the dog was actually um, a movie made uh, during Soviet times? Yeah, that was an old folktale, but in Soviet times, there was a, an animation movie. Oh, oh so, yeah. so it's animated. Like, yes, it like was a, animated. Oh, like a cartoon. Oh, okay, so did that give you inspiration then for the illustrations? Yes, yes. So I think this cartoon movie made the story more popular, but as I said, it's it's mm-hmm. really great example, and there were not many examples, unfortunately, in the Soviet time when yeah. Ukrainian culture was promoted so nicely. Yeah, yeah. That was that was not the aim of the Soviet government was to promote Ukrainian culture. Yeah. So so it's fantastic that there were remnants that remained and that now you're able to um, to bring them back to life even as Russia's trying to do that again to to destroy Ukrainian culture. But now you are here and the wonderful thing about what you're doing now is any any proceeds from the sales of these books will go to help a Ukrainian children devastated by by this war. So congratulations on on doing that on on beating the Kremlin in, in spite yeah. of yeah in, in spite of their efforts to kill Ukrainian culture. It's just like a weed. It's, we're not going to die, are we? <laughs> yeah, we are not going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So so then tell us how people can find you and how they can buy the books, how much are they? You can find me online on my website, Olya Illustrations dot com. Okay. I have a small shop there where all my books are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of them are twelve ninety nine Canadian dollars. Okay. Or there is a set of them that is fifty five dollars for the set. Okay. You can order them online and you'll be happy to send the books anywhere in Canada and States and globally. Mm-hmm. And I will be happy to answer any questions if you have any. You can contact me via my website, olaillustrations.com. Wonderful. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, and thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, do, do continue. And if anybody wants to contact you for work, they could reach you through this website as well. Yes, of course. I'm not doing a lot of projects now because I have full-time job for uh, Ukrainian Immigration Service. So, but I have evenings, so I'm still doing my creative jobs on evenings. Okay. And um, 
I started working with creative projects about this war. I want to tell small kids about this war on their level, for sure. Mm. So I hope to create something interesting and helpful for kids in these days as well. When do you expect that to be done? I hope until the end of this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm always open to discuss creative projects. Okay. Plus you have three kids and, and you have also this project. Look forward to seeing that. Keep in touch and uh, let us know when that's done. And uh, we'll have a chat about that as well and, uh, and let our listeners know about that project. So thank you again, Olya, for sharing your story and, and for the work that you do. And all the best to you and to your family. And we pray for the welfare of, of all Ukrainians, you know, your family and relatives in your hometown and, and home country. And pray for a speedy end to this this terrible war. And so thank you again and all the best to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity to share. Wish you all the best. Thank you for doing this program. That's very important. Thank oh. you.
Gardiska Terzia along with Oleg Sobchuk and a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Ruzha, Rose. And before the break, you heard Rushnichok from Montreal with When the Clouds Hide the Sun. Coming up next, Saskatchewan storyteller Linda Mikolayenko with her narration of the Ukrainian folktale Stolen Postulaire. This is from her collection of folktales called Beyond the Blue Mirror. If you're interested in Ukrainian folktales, do visit her website. It is lindathestoryteller.ca. And also make sure to visit Olya T. Illustrations to find out about the folktale books that Olya just told us about. You can find the links to these sites in the show, ho- show notes of this episode of Nash Holos. Welcome to Beyond the Blue Mirror, a series of programs that celebrates the rich Ukrainian oral tradition. Each program features a folktale or legend, as well as a related real-life story, enhanced with traditional and contemporary music. My name is Linda Mikolayenko. Thank you for joining me. The Stolen Postole Bondachuk was up to no good. This rich farmer was always plotting ways to get the poor peasants to work on his land for next to nothing. And now, now he had his eyes set on Danello, a big, strong man. But how to enlist him? He stewed, and he schemed, and he twirled the ends of his long black mustache until, until he came up with a plan. And then he sent one of his servants to steal something from Danello. In the dark of night, the servant crept into Danello's hut. Careful not to wake the sleeping man, he tiptoed about, looking for something worth stealing. But Danello was so poor... He couldn't find anything. All night long he looked, and finally, just before dawn, he realized that Danello had no real valuables, and so he quickly grabbed a pair of postolets, a pair of shoes, and ran out the door. In the morning, Danello awoke, yawned and stretched and rubbed his eyes, but when he reached for his postolets, well, they were gone. He scratched his head and tried to remember where he had left them, but he was certain that he had put them beside his bed as he always had. Outside, the frost lay thick on the ground. 
Winter was on its way, and he wondered how he would survive without a pair of shoes. As he sat there, suddenly the door to his hut burst open, and in walked Bundachuk, the wealthy farmer who lived nearby. Why so glum, Danilo? he said. Why shouldn't I be sad? replied Danilo. Some scoundrel has stolen my postolier. Winter is on its way, and I don't have a cent to buy a new pair. Oh, that is indeed terrible, Bondachuk pretended to feel sorry for him. But uh, don't worry, I'll uh, buy you a pair of shoes, and uh, you can pay me back by working on my farm for a year. Well, Donello thought this was ludicrous. But what could he do? He had no choice. So he went to work for Bondachuk. Day in and day out he slaved, but Donello was a big man, and the landlord fed him so little that he was always hungry. Finally, one day when he felt he just didn't have the strength to continue, he went to Bondachuk and he complained. How can I work when all day long my stomach aches and rumbles so? Again, Bondachuk pretended to feel sorry for him. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll get my wife to give you a boiled egg every morning. And that way you'll have the strength to continue to work, and by the end of the year you will have paid off your debt. All right? Danilo agreed and went back to work. For an entire year, Danilo worked like a dog. He plowed and he planted and he threshed just to pay for a pair of shoes. And though he was still hungry, that boiled egg did help to give him the strength he needed to continue working. Now, by Danilo's sweat, the farmer prospered with bountiful crops and a rich harvest. And when the year was almost up, he really wanted to keep Donello working for him. And so one day he called him to his house. So you finally paid for the shoes, said Bondacha, stroking his long black mustache. That's right, said Donello. And did you get a boiled egg to eat every morning, said Bundachuk, as he furrowed his bushy eyebrows. Yes, replied Danello. Oh, Bundachuk gasped and rolled his eyes as if he was in great pain. Do you realize what you have done? What do you mean, asked Danello. What have I done? Why, you have devoured three hundred eggs. If my wife would have put those eggs under brood hens, they would have hatched into three hundred chicks. Those three hundred chicks would have grown into three hundred hens that would have laid a thousand more eggs. Those thousand eggs would have hatched into a thousand chicks. I could have sold those thousand chicks at the market for quite a sack of money. So you see, you, Donello, you have cost me a sack of money. Why, if I take you to court, the judge will make you work for me for at least another year. Donello listened to that tirade, and when it was over, he said, Have it your way, you cheat, but I'll not work for you. 
not for another minute. And with that, he stamped his foot, turned around, and walked out the door. But when he had cooled down, he fell into despair. Oi, Boże, što zimnoju bude? What is to become of me? How could he possibly win in court against a rich man? As he wandered the roads aimlessly, he came upon an old Hutso, a mountain dweller. What troubles you, my friend, said the old man. Now this Hutso was not only old, he was wise, and in his pocket he carried a blue mirror, and in it he could see where the rabbits slept, and how the stars fell into the sea, and what made the sun smile. He understood the languages of trees, and why the moon spread her skirts of melancholy over the hills. Danilo told him the whole story, and he finished off by saying, So you see, Bondachuk has me for good. I worked for him for an entire year, and now he's taking me to court. A rich man's greed knows no bounds, said the Hutzo. So you mean there's no hope, replied Danilo. Might makes right, and beggars can't be choosers. The judge is a learned man, but in my mirror he would see nothing. And with that he pulled out his mirror, and he gazed up into the sky and down to the ground and around to the forests and the mountains. And then he smiled and motioned for Danilo to come closer, and he whispered something in Danilo's ear. Danilo nodded and smiled and went on his way. The day of the trial arrived. Bundarchuk walked into the courtroom, strutting like a peacock, wearing a fine velvet suit. The judge and the clerk took their places, and they waited for Danilo. They waited. Minutes turned into hours. Bundarchuk began tugging at his mustache. Where is that fool? The judge looked at his watch, and the clerk tapped his fingers nervously on the desk. Finally, when they were just about to give up, the door to the courtroom burst open, and in walked Danello, heaving and panting. <sighs> Excuse me, Your Honor, he said, but I have been very busy. What do you mean, said the judge, what do you mean, busy? Well, I was busy boiling potatoes and planting them, boiling barley and planting it, boiling oats and planting them. Wait a minute, said the judge, you can't get a crop from boiled potatoes or boiled barley? Well, surely I can, replied Danello. Just as surely as Bondachuk says he could get a thousand chicks from the boiled eggs that his wife fed me. The judge looked at Bondachuk. What kind of eggs did your wife give Danello? Boiled eggs, stuttered Bondachuk. The judge looked at the clerk and then at Donello, and then at Bondachuk, and he began to laugh. And then the clerk began to laugh, and Donello began to laugh, but Bondachuk did not laugh. He stood there looking bewildered, tugging at his mustache, and then he grabbed his coat and hat, and he walked out of the court. 
and as his carriage clattered away, he could still hear them laughing. But that was the last time the rich man tried to take a peasant to court. Cultural themes are quite common in Ukrainian folk tales. Many of the Ukrainians who came to Canada in the early 1900s were farmers, and they came at the invitation of the then Minister of the Interior, Clifford Sifton, who praised these stalwart peasants in sheepskin coats. However, that reference to men in sheepskin coats soon became a derogatory term, as the newcomers were looked on with suspicion by the established population and it didn't take long before the immigrants began to encounter men like the Bondadchuk in the story of the stolen postalea. My father came to Canada in 1930 and worked for farmers during the difficult years of drought and depression. One year my father tried to earn a little bit of extra money by catching the gophers that would cause great devastation to the crops. He was disappointed, though, that the farmer he worked for wanted to deny him even that. It was a story he often told me, so one day I decided to write it down, and it came out in the form of a poem. Here it is. Sure can do a lot of damage to the crops, those gophers, said Mr. Nicholson, sipping tea. Farmer with a reputation had 20,000 in the bank. 1934 is going to be a bad year for them, they say. Municipalities paying one cent apiece. Mike nodded. Immigrant hired seven months for one hundred dollars. Up at five, Mike fed horses, milked cows, set out poison in the fields, plowed, planted, fed pigs. Sunset late on spring days gathered up dead gophers, cut tails and hind feet for proof, put them in a box. Up at five, Mike fed horses, milked cows, set out poison in the fields, plowed, planted, fed pigs, gathered up dead gophers, cut tails and hind feet, added them to the box. No chance to cash them in. Mr. Nicholson, you going to town? How about you take my gophers? Sure, Mike. Returning in his wagon, Mr. Nicholson holds out 
$2.37. Mike, you got those gophers from my farm. You work for me. My daughter wants a coat. How about I keep one dollar? Sure, Mr. Nicholson, sure. If he had a daughter, he'd rather she wear sheepskin than rodent. Що нам близьке до серця було, залишили ми тільки прямі живемо. Канадо, Канадо, ти країна казки прийняла до серця нас, як рідна мати. Все, що нам близьке до серця було, Лишили ми тільки прямі живемо. Нелегко нам було на чужині жити, Обой законі мусили навчитись. Працювали ми тяжко, як вдень, так вночі, Щоб діточки наші не знали біди. Канадо, Канадо, ти країна казки прийняла до серця нас, як рідна мати. Beyond the Blue Mirror is a series of programs that celebrates the rich Ukrainian oral tradition. I would like to acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts. Je remercie de son soutien le Conseil des Arts du Canada. I would also like to thank Ethnic FM CKER Radio for the Roger Shares Senior Award for Broadcast and Media Arts administered through the Ukrainian Resource and Development Center at Grant McEwen College in Edmonton. The folktale in this program is based on The Stolen Postelet and the Boiled Eggs from the book The Magic Egg and Other Tales from Ukraine retold by Barbara J. Suwin and edited by Natalie O. Kononenko. Copyright 1997 by Libraries Unlimited Incorporated. Used with the permission of Greenwood Publishing Group, Westport, Connecticut. The poem, Spring Harvest, is based on the recollections of my father, Mike Mikolayenko. My gratitude to him for allowing me to share it with you. Introductory music for this series is taken from Dance 5, from the CD Prairie Nights and Peacock Feathers, performed by Paris Tukayev, distributed by Alesha Records. This program also features excerpts from Hutzel Fantasy from the CD Ablaze, performed by Vasil Popoduk, and the original composition Krajina Kazke from the CD Reflections of Our Pioneers, performed by Duet Marena. I'm Linda Mikolayenko. You may reach me through my website, lindathestoryteller.ca. Thank you for listening. Любимо діти, мила мамо й тату. Я йду на війноньку нашу землю захищати. Не плачте за мною, якщо болі зги.
дам за любоненьку нашу Україну. Єдинаємося, браття, and the group Shabla with Brate Ukrainsi, Ukrainian Brothers. Nezhame vshaskin chela nasho programu, ishe chaste domu izkluzate do pobachenia, ale peretem ya hochu zalashete vastikime slovami mutrostia. Tak doho vireo pokesam nizmireo. And our proverb of the week translates as he believed it until he measured it himself. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. If you miss the on-air or live stream broadcast, you'll find the podcast at our website, www.nashholos.com, and do check out the podcast show notes for links mentioned during the show. Well, our time together is up, so to take us home, we have High Profile from Winnipeg and a polka medley. I'm Pavlina, on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich!
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.